Welcome to TechnoSocial. My name is Daniel Fraga. And I'm Armin Cox. Here we're talking about all things shamanic, symbolic, occult, and technology. Consider becoming our patron, donating, and helping us continue to pump more of this weird and wacky content from the other side of reality all the way to the comfort of your own screen. We hope you enjoy. Okay, it's going. All right, welcome everyone to Techno Social. We have uh, Miguel Angel Fernandez here with us. He's the author of the series of books on operative traditions. Uh, it's a book series that that really focuses on. Um, well, maybe Miguel, you could give us an introduction yourself as to what it's about and what this term operative tradition means and what do you mean by it? Yes. Uh, well. Mm. It's four books, four volumes, a uh, lot of uh, different topics addressed, many different topics, but uh, the title says a lot. Uh, the title is, uh, uh, above all, operative. Operative. Now, the, the idea of operative, um, many times we, we don't use that word uh, in our society because we, we think of it as operational, functional um, in what I try to recover is the idea of um, operative from the perspective uh, of um, when buildings mm -hmm. are the genesis of buildings uh, how that happens how that happens because we are all accustomed to see when buildings are already finished Mm -hmm. But we are not so accustomed to see how that happens and how all that beauty develops. You know? So uh, operative comes really, really down uh, uh, to the idea of um, how to work to, to such an extent that everything you do creates a meaning that you have no idea, but is as in the ontological design, it's your being, it's you, it's your son, it's your, it's the center of your solar system. And you have no idea of the mystery, you just produce it. Mm -hmm. And, and this is the idea of operative is that is to follow the mystery to the end and, uh, uh, playful, playfulness. It's like the kid who just plays and lets things work and develop and doesn't think too much, just uh, let's, the, it's like a dance, just let's, mm -hmm. let's the thing go develop. And, uh, and then after that comes a lot of intelligence uh, and uh, sort of uh, um, understanding of who you are in relation to the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is just uh, a very, a brief uh, summary of the idea of operative, um, which um, um, it is extremely connected to the idea. Even we we like to see uh, Gothic cathedrals; they're very aesthetic, they're very beautiful, they're very. But we uh, the core of the cathedral is to understand how things work from the, the fundamentals of nature to the um, 
the most uh, enlightened uh, conditions of nature, the lux natura, which is what is always uh, is the aspiration in all uh, uh, operative uh, um, disciplines to, to find it and to develop. Very nice introduction. So that you, you touched upon a, a topic that I also wanted to touch upon, which is this this idea that, um, for example, the building of Gothic cathedrals, something that was, you know, it is known to have been done uh, by Freemasons or by Templars or whatever. Uh, but I think that in, in one of your introductions to your books or even on the book, Moritz might have showed it to me, that you referred to this idea that the, the craft and the idea that when you're actually building it, there's an interplay there. Those people that were building those temples were also building themselves. The the pain of crafting the stone is also the pain of crafting yourself. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and, and sort of that exchange right there? Well, I, I, I think that um, has a lot of with by designing objects, spaces, tools, experiences, we are in fact designing the human being itself. Yeah. It, 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 this is you, Daniel, you wrote this. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think this is absolutely crucial because uh, this is, uh, we, uh, um, we tend, we, we are, um, prone to think that from the world, and for example, right now, uh, we live in a cybernetic industrial society, and we tend to think that uh, the world developing outside of us, the, that industrialization has nothing to do with our culture, with our, of at least with the things we create in our mind about human life, human culture, human, all human values. But at the end, when it comes to decision, all those infrastructures, all those architectures really decide the decisions you're going to take in specific moments in your life where you really have a decision that is existential, not based on what you got here, but based on your, your values. Mm -hmm. So um, in this sense, I, I think that uh, culture really must and I totally address your texts here, which are really brilliant. Te uh, culture must address the fact that the technological world, the industrial world, the cybernetic world has a lot to say about ourselves and can teach a lot uh, about ourselves. It's like, like, uh, it's, it's like uh, Luke Skywalker when talking to C-3PO and, <laughs> you know, in, in Star Wars, it's like talking to androids, but, you know, it was a way of self-recognizing -re uh, re uh, yes. the best, you know? So we need to relate to the best of these things and understand them, understand the spirit. Uh, and, and, and that understanding that by developing them, we develop ourselves. Now, this is a, this idea completely contradicts uh, a lot of uh, psychological uh, 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 Freud, uh, uh, Maslow, uh, even John, and, and many other aspects who think that the psychology is all inside, but it doesn't has to it doesn't have to relate to something greater uh, to oneself in terms of uh, production, creation, creativity. 
And uh, yes, this is a, a long subject, but uh, it I, I think uh, it's uh, very stimulating and very uh, has a lot of uh, uh, important uh, conclusions and uh, derivations. Mm, I love what you're opening up here. I mean, I often find myself thinking that personally, whenever I try and conceptualize, like what is what might be the meaning of of life or of existence big question to tackle especially early in the in the podcast right but it's something to do with creativity like the universe the cosmos is creating is unfolding something and if there was an ethical imperative to me it would be something like find a way to to kind of get into the the flow of that creativity and and enhance it and contribute to it as much as possible in a productive beautiful way and not not ruin it or just stop it or kind of let it let it decline and i know something that you've uh, that you've spoken about in uh, in some of your work is this idea between a culture based on meaning and a culture based on means right could you expand a bit on what you mean by that Yes, what I what I mean <laughs> about that. That's the <laughs> yes. Uh, well, uh, yeah. This goes very uh, to the root of many things that were forgotten for for centuries. And uh, I um, I was many years ago very inspired by Gothic culture, which is a whole subject in itself. Uh, it's the combination of the Goths who came from the north of uh, Europe and com and and uh, stimulated uh, all the uh, kind of a Judeo-Christian tendencies of thought from that derived from the South, and something derived from there was just absolutely uh, in, uh, impressive in medieval times. In medieval times, so one of the interesting symbols of that time, which uh, you can find over here in um, um, in Santiago de Compostela, uh, which is uh, it's it's a very uh, it's a center of pilgrimage of all around Europe. Is that the cathedral was built in a square that's called the uh, Obradoiro? Now Obradoiro, or uh, if you go to the root of the term, it means that it was basically a place where people learned how to manage uh, material. Uh, op opera, operis is. It's a very, con it's, it's, it's a term that really requires to understand the material you're working with. Now, it's interesting that in the, the operative Freemasons, which there are very, very few, uh, um, studies about this, one of the crucial symbols is a chisel and a hammer. You know, it's the, you, you stand the chisel with your hand and you impact with the other. And this is the crucial symbol. Why? Because when you start uh, doing that effort against any material, you impact the material. Something in your hand absorbs the energy, the, not the energy, the vibration, the voice, or the material. You're not conscious about it. It just happens. It just happens. You don't have to do, you just, all you have to do is just, uh, you know, just, you know, hit, 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 hit. And then eventually you discover with practice and discipline 
that your hand, both hands, get a life of their own. Now, isn't that magic? Suddenly, something happens to you after a lot of process and discipline that you can completely develop a sphere of marble or granite in three hours. Three hours. Something that today in applied arts, it would take a month. <laughs> and you say, where did that come from? <laughs> where did that come from? That's, that's a miracle. And there's a lot of testimony uh, five centuries ago, six centuries ago about that kind of miracle of the senses. Hmm. And uh, we've lost all that because literacy uh, doesn't allow us this experience. We have, because of literacy, we, we, we have answers for everything. Mm. But we don't feel the, the senses anymore as in those times. And the senses have a lot of intelligence, a lot of intelligence that are, have to be rediscovered. Mm. That's amazing. So as you were talking, what I was thinking about is that indeed this, these old masters would achieve a mastery. They would achieve this uh, ability to interact, to speak to the material and listen to its voice. This rhymes very much with Manuel de Landa's idea of the morphogenetic potential of materials, which is the idea that, you know, each material already has in itself the potential of things that can be done with it. You can't do certain things with certain materials because you have to adapt. And even today in our post-industrial age, we also have to adapt to that material. Yes. We have to uh, we have to discover it. We have to discover it. But the problem today is that we don't have that connection, uh, direct connection to to material anymore. Because this is the great uh, impediment: is that we have uh, all these technological mediations uh, with matters like just the microscope. Mm-hmm. For example, it's a very simple case. Um, we 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 can't interact. With material, so the fact that we can't interact, we can't communicate, and we can't understand its vibes, we can't understand where it comes from. But this is this is another thing that is uh, also very shocking for most people is that the great products, for example, the, we we observe, for example, a Stradivarius violin and stuff, and we see we see the perfection of how uh, the self resonance. Uh, maximizes the properties of the material but there was no plan of that of the initial development there was no plan at all it it just happened because the craft the craftsman discovered with the fingers the vibes of all materials and then absorbed those vibes and suddenly something was impregnated rewired in the nervous system and then suddenly that called for other combinations and other combinations and other combinations until finally it was all worked out as like saying, oh, I've produced a violin. This is me. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it is you because it's your nervous system. <laughs> yes. No. Absolutely. Yes. It's kind of, it, 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 it makes me want to uh, speak about these relationships of scale and of measurement 
that become so proper to the human body, right? You mentioned that on the microscope, it's, uh, or for example, I would add the example of when we're looking at products that are made on factories, we are very removed from the ability to interact and to craft. We, you know, we have a Petri dish, it's, it's not the same, uh, or, or we have this cup that was made on a factory, it, it is not the same as a drawing that I would have created, for example, why? Because it feels like there's, like you said, the me- or rather, I think it was Evola even who said that ma- the measure of the universe is man, or the right, and the fact that we have, for example, five. Let's let's take the example of the Stradivarius builder. That person has five fingers on each hand, and there's a specific way of working with the material, trying again and again and again, attaining a certain level of technical mastery, and then from that peak level mastery, there's something else, artistry, that might perhaps emerge. And that's when the great innovations come about. So correct me if I'm wrong, these operative traditions are perhaps a scaffolding. These, uh, I'm talking about, for example, the operative Freemasons. They are kind of this step-by-step tutorial on how to get to this high level of mastery and artistic channeling. Uh, yes, uh, I think... Um that generally um, the problem was with uh, developing this kind of a mastery teaching you, you're telling about is precisely the, the precisely the, the, the transition occurred in, in culture because of literacy and and mm. we don't allow uh, that which Ernst Junger in his own genius said it's the um, thought <laughs> of the touching, the thought of the touching, mm-hmm. to learn how uh, our mind must be uh, not, not oversaturated with ideas, but let ourselves give the chance to uh, develop a practice in which we discover that we can even have eyes in our back. Yeah, now, this is a great experience. It, some Some sports might allow it, like sometimes in soccer, uh, some people can say, wow, I, I did the pass, I, I couldn't even see. It's just intuition, pure. Well, it's just little glimpses of uh, a kind of practice that allows to awaken to say, wow, we know nothing. We know nothing. Or the body has an intelligence that is amazing if we allow mm-hmm. it to develop. And um, I think that, for example, in my first um, uh, volume of operative traditions. I, I I wanted to address uh, from a psych- uh, philosophical perspective uh, the idea. Well, uh, experience for that someone who was uh, uh, who had education in the in the um, Western culture uh, and went to the East and practiced the art of uh, archery uh, with a master uh, and to understand all his six-year development of how to understand, say, well, my thought is nothing, my body is everything, I need to understand that I can't establish a difference between um, what I think I am as an individual and the, the external world. Now, that is a very difficult realization for most people, but uh, that's the, the transition that is required if we really want to observe our being uh, outside of us, mm. you know, and this has to do a lot with your saying, Daniel, about ontological design. It, it's uh, if, if we the, we need to, 
to uh, realize, as, as you write in that, in that text, that the individual is just a construct, a very recent construct, historically. But if, if we look at it with more uh, detail and more, and more, uh, more care, we realize that we're all connected uh, to the environment much more than we think. And it's good to develop practices or disciplines or uh, something to allow us to to uh, get back to that playful state of uh, being that we had when we were kids. We had no idea of the world, but we we uh, we played and we built great uh, Lego constructions and things mm -hmm. and asked questions that to today nobody nobody asks. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, for example, my niece, um, my uh, who is who he loves ballet. She loves ballet. She has she has no education. She's just not ten, nine years old in, ten, in terms of education. But she she's trying to discover all these uh, things by herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spontaneously, we, we must recover that. There's a lot of connection between dance and architecture. Wow. That's that's deep. I, I I love it. I love that which you are mentioning. I feel like, <clears throat> and this is something deliberate that you said that you are even deliberately positioned within a Western tradition, or rather that this this craft or this perspective that you're trying to uncover from our deep past is fundamentally Western. Yeah, um, I've had this conversation with Owen many times. And uh, I think we'll all agree, Owen is, is very much into yoga and Eastern philosophy and Eastern practices. Um, and it feels like the Western way to approach these subjects, which uh, Owen, you're familiar with, has been kind of lost in time, has been lost through Christianization, perhaps lost through literacy, as you say. But that tradition, that operative tradition, that's that's something that intangible cultural asset has been progressively eroded. But today, if we are to make sense of the Internet, of the material of the Internet, of the material and the voice of the material that is human consciousness through the Internet, then we need to perhaps uncover what it means to have this operative spiritual practical tradition from a western point of view i i i would argue that yes uh, uh, this is the problem um the second uh word that i use for these volumes is traditions uh, it's a it's a problematic word because sometimes we tend to understand that just because we repeat a series of worldviews from the past, or as it is in Latin, it is considered that tradition is tradere, which is the kind of the trans, trans to each generation to um, to transmit to the next uh, a set of worldviews. Well, that is very relative, as I've seen, because really the idea of tradition is not to transmit uh, worldviews, uh, not even practices transmit principles. Now, the problem of this is that you can't transmit principles. You can't transmit principles. Transmit principles you have to learn. 
them. You you are not born born with them. You have to learn them. And the 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 issue uh, I see with uh, the the importing of a, a spiritual traditions from the East is that um, they have been all literalized. They have been all transmitted. There was no an oral tradition from the East to the West. It was all in books. And the problem with that is that we don't uh, end up understanding the, the crucial aspect that oral tradition has for transmitting principles. And the principles, you have to discover them by yourself. Nobody's going to give you the clue, the trick, the letter kills the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, one of the ways, one of the alternatives of doing that is uh, opposite, which is um, basically uh, understand this is the work you have to do. Not you have to do, but these are the principles, these are the disciplines. If you survive along the process, it's going to be a hard process, very hard, very tough. You're going to suffer, but if you survive, you might discover those principles. Because it's not the same to, you know, to, uh, let's say, what we were saying at the beginning, to get a chisel and a hammer when, you, when you're starting, that when all your hand is bleeding because you're impacting like crazy. It's not the same, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that's part of the process, but then you learn the principles. And and the whole thing is that really the 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 problem with, between the East and the West is that yes the West I would say that uh, these uh, ideas practically uh, extinguished centuries ago they were still in the East uh, but the problem is uh, uh, unless you know Chinese and you live in China and Japan for forty years under a great master. How can you learn them? You know, uh, but there is a there is a kind of a, uh, equivalent uh, view between the east and the west. It's just that we are we need to um, I think we need to uh, create a synthesis. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. You know, I agree with uh, with much of what you said there. I think it is it's why within my um, in my personal practices, I've had I've tried to actively seek out if I'm not able to find. You know, like for example, with yoga, in at least people who have studied with uh, with Indian masters. So at least there is precisely that 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 oral tradition. And I think precisely the reason why so many Westerners, myself included, look to the East to the Eastern philosophies, Eastern practices, is precisely because, as you said, it's kind of died out here, or at least it's much less mainstream. And so the kind of Western alchemy, the Western occultism has um, has kind of receded from the eye, and so people yearning for something go to um, go to say to yoga or a Buddhist meditation. But then the kind of curious thing is that both of these things have been caught up in the logic of of capital and consumerism now to the extent where. Most people, when they practice, for example, yoga, are not really practicing yoga. They're putting their body into positions. Where one of the things that I've had said is that the position is only there to serve your breath, and your breath is about linking your mind to your body and your higher experience. Right? The position. Another thing I've had said: the position ends, or the position begins when you move your body out of it. Right? And so, yoga is not about stretching deeply and taking sexy instagram photos but it's precisely about 
the transformation in world experience that comes about through having been into a certain position. It doesn't matter if your head's on your knee or if your head's a fucking meter away from your knee. And again, but what's kind of this interesting point now as I start to get more curious about the um, the Western alchemical traditions, the occult, because we realize that it is still there. Like this stuff hasn't gone away. And perhaps it's actually been in its in its favor in a sense that it hasn't allowed itself to go mainstream and be co-opted by capital in the same way. Like I think, for example, the worlds of, uh, of yoga and indeed of Buddhism have a big struggle ahead of them because a lot of their their mimetic and their spiritual currency, if you will, has been totally diluted and and kind of been institutionalized in Western kind of mainstream capitalist culture in a way that makes very little sense compared to what it was actually designed to do and where it came from, to the extent that people now practice what you call like mindfulness meditation, thinking that they're doing something very profound. And it's 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 a total kind of butchery of, of what you're doing. Um Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically um, the 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 issue here is that uh, once you discover those principles uh, that I was uh, referring to, you develop your own system of yoga for your own life. Uh, you don't need to follow a manual. Let's let's put it that way. You know, uh, you uh, already find out your own uh, standards, which are good for you. Uh, you find they are good for you, for your union, because that's the idea of yoga, to a union with the totality or with the transcendental or the ontological uh, uh, aspect of our lives, which provides us meaning. But to, the, the, the thing is that we are no, no longer living in the conditions where these uh, cosmologies uh, were produced. Now, this is the crucial issue. And uh, this is very radical, what I'm saying right now, that is that we can't really rely in none of those uh, cosmologies which were produced in conditions which were not cybernetic architecturally, which were not urban industrial. We don't have the same flesh as those people. We don't have the same brain as those people. Our, our phylogenetics, all our genetic inheritance is not the same we don't have the same gesture we don't have the same emotions we are completely different modified and nothing works in that sense and it's all as you said uh, owen it's become a business and a lot of people i know uh, profit from that uh, of creating that illusion like creating placebo effects in the in the uh, medical industry and many other things but at the end of the day it, it's not allowing people and this is the crucial thing uh, to understand their relation to their environment to their social context and uh, to the world they are living and as a, a great proof of this was the last months with all this crisis of the coronavirus because you've seen that people uh, who had been practicing yoga, spiritual therapies and all this stuff, uh, suddenly they become more anxious than anyone else, you know, because of this thing. And, and I, I've seen this myself and I say, well, something oh, or something's wrong with them or something wrong with the people who are trying to, <laughs> to teach them through uh, uh, spiritual traditions and stuff. I think there's a little bit of both parts, uh, but it's it's um i know a lot of people want um 
want to understand this, but I think it's uh, we need new approaches. And I think uh, um, ontological design uh, is very, is very um, uh, to me, practical, disciplinary. Uh, it allows people to understand the processes which are surround them, technical, technological, industrial, and to find uh, a way of discipline that allows them to re um, see, uh, to make a meaning of the meanings, to understand that in all this, uh, uh, in all this um, structure of the world, there is still meaning, mm. although it's all chaotic and also we, it's, it's um, a, some people might think this is something that depends on faith, but it's not about faith either. It's about uh, uh, presenting a discipline, presenting so that people can discover um, the magic, the mystery, and follow it. Because that's the thing. They have to follow it when they discover it. And there is mystery still today. I'm going to say where I think it is valuable to to study the things these things that have gone before is precisely in in experiencing that there are practices that do have meaningful effects and so it may well be like as you said that the the actual cosmology the the worldview as produced or as described by something like yoga or a particular form of buddhism is no longer apt for a cybernetic environment like for example the belief in a uh, in a universally reborn soul right but yeah. yet the actual the operative part of it the discipline of of sitting down every day to to meditate and to to focus the consciousness to do that diana is is i see it as a a building block to any kind of ontological design or operative frameworks that we do going forwards like we can't just i think there's sometimes discussions about like we can think our way into new practices and new psychotechnologies for example i don't think that's the right approach i think the thing is to do it's like you go forwards by studying the old masters brilliantly. It's like we read Plato. We don't necessarily subscribe to the theory of forms, but you kind of need to get Plato to get the rest of philosophy. Well, this is the, the this is Goethe. Goethe, uh, he and, and, and uh, Faustus, he, he developed this idea very well. You know, there's this idea of Faustus who, who was trying to find knowledge and wisdom uh, through literacy, through books and stuff, and said, I'm, um, I have I have not gained anything, <laughs> you know. So uh, I think it's it's interesting as Westerners because Faustus is a typically Western. Uh, mm. uh, it's it's good for us to understand to what extent uh, many um, all the knowledge that has been transmitted to us uh, in philosophy, science, and understand the limits. I think it's that's a, a crucial point, and we must always criticize even science which is today everybody uh, admires science ideologies uh, even philosophy you know even, so it gets to a point that you're in this nigredo phase that you don't believe in anything and but you want to prove everything <laughs> you want to you know go forward you know i think if we could encourage that to people that would be great because it's like saying okay experiment your way I'm not going to tell you what you're going to go. Just go your way, go your way, go your way. 
and you'll discover things that it will be fantastic. It's going to be hard. I, I, I know, but everything is hard. So, but you're going to do the hard way in a, in a kind of encouraging way. So mm. why not? So the thing is to discover the limits of, of knowledge, uh, not to, uh, to, like kids, you know, you just play with things. You have no idea of what you're doing. You just play. And, and eventually you'll discover new languages. New gestures, uh, new relations with materials. You'll discover a lot of things that are completely uh, unexpected in general by most of the uh, the, the traditions uh, available. So, um, I think it's a good thing to have this hunger for knowledge, uh, but as long as it allows one to uh, criticize it, to overcome it to say, okay, this is fine, but I, I need to eat something more. I need, I need something else, you know? So here comes a, it's a, it's a, it's a pure question of values. It's a pure question also existential of the person of how far this person wants to reach because some people can't go along the path. It's too uh, dangerous, uh, too painful, uh, but some people will, you know, and uh, those are the people we should encourage to go. Uh, in that direction, if if we see they they want to go in that direction, mm -hmm. and um, and and then these people will go in the direction, and they can speak to you about Buddhism, yoga, uh, Socrates, Plato, and yeah, but from another completely different perspective, which is much more uh, encouraging and and allows you to solve the problems with your dog, the problems with your wife, the problems with your kids, <laughs> you know, the basic things we need you know, in life, to just how to relate to our our, our environment, to our Direct environment, yeah. and I, uh, I think, yeah, operative things, uh, operative uh, disciplines are great for those who, um, especially, discover that there's m much more to them that most people expected. Um, uh, we we tend to think in the West that uh, think thinking is everything, but it's just a very superficial layer of. Of everything, it's uh, it's how we how we can you know it's like the the idea of the 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 uh, archer and the bow how we direct you know our thoughts uh, in a specific direction. It's uh, that's more an Eastern view mm -hmm. of things. You know. So the direction to which we aim our thoughts is like the hammer and the chisel. <clears throat> we can align. Yeah. It with the flow of the world, especially today, cybernetically. Um, I like that idea. I wanted to touch upon something which is present in your work, which to me also resonated a lot, which I think is very lacking overall in, in society, which is heroism. Hmm. Which is the call for, um, for those who are willing to engage in any sort of path that has to do with pursuing their dream and putting the dream at the command of their lives. And the thought that this very process points away, whatever that way may be in the specific circumstances of each of our lives. And in the, in the, and following that way, that there is a certain heroism and that the myths that we've inherited from the past, this is perhaps, this is what I would say are there to furnish that way, are there to serve as signposts, as warnings and advice, but they are only useful insofar as you are in the way, 
someone who is perhaps chasing their dream will get Goetha much more than if you're forced to read it in high school and you don't really like it. Uh, and there's risk in perhaps pursuing this path. And, and um, like we said, it's dangerous, not for everyone. And so that's what, that perhaps is the role of the operative framework that one can inherit or one can adopt or look at. It's advice if you're already performing some sort of work like this, no? Yeah, probably the, the uh, as Owen was saying a while before, the, the, the reason why you would, uh, you would eventually in your life uh, start observing all these uh, spiritual traditions because you want in your life, you want some meaning and you, want to, you, you just can't adapt to many social standards which you realize the game, let's, let's put it that way. The only reason you would start uh, criticizing or considering that the relativity of all those uh, for your life is because you have already uh, understand yourself that um, a, your own heroic path, which is basically that of discovering that uh, you, owe, you owe all to yourself. That's the whole uh, teaching of a heroic path. Uh, of uh, defeating death is that you all owe it all to yourself and then you survive that critical point if you do and then you will say okay what happened here what happened I, 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 I need to keep, keep on living for a while I'm, I mean I'm 30 years old let's say and you say okay, I've done a horrific path but I need to keep on working I can't I need to uh, uh, keep on working in this world and then you discover that your heroic substance um, simply all the things you read in the spiritual traditions like saying no 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 because I, I, it's not enough it's not enough it's not enough so you you try to find ways eventually how to connect with the world how to bridge uh, with the real circumstances of your of the world and you try to connect to people you try to connect to processes the best way you try to translate that experience uh, to the world and language is simply not enough language common language is simply not enough uh, you, you have to play with it all you have to uh, uh, find your own language your own uh, ways of relating to things and um, uh, and then eventually you might discover that um, there is something interesting about just simply working with your hands. If you have that luck, you'll discover a lot of interesting things and uh, it will make you say, well, this is all I need to keep on surviving and keep on producing and, and, and seeing the things I, I have in my spirit in the world and uh, so yes i would say that the trigger is a is a heroic experience something that we don't have we are not we don't have much access today to that because we lack adventure you know we lack the 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 idea of people going beyond the 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 what people expect from them uh and just saying look i'm gonna 
take three years and I'm going to risk everything. I'm going to go. We don't have three years today. You need, you need to make a living. You need to, uh, you know, we don't have three years to just put it in the air for most people. But if people could be provided that, that experience, they differently. And in fact, um, it, it's not a coincidence that uh, the, 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 in, historically the, uh, uh, the, the operative uh, Freemasons were sort of descendants of the Knight Templars, you can say, uh, in the sense of uh, the tradition. It's just that they, they, they were not, they didn't have that warrior character, but they were just much more focused in uh, developing that memory and uh, uh, producing, a, uh, producing that memory, producing that memory. Hmm. Can you tell me more about the Templars and the Freemasons? This is something I don't really know that much about and I'm fascinated by, and I assume some people listening would be too. Yes, the Templars, well, there's a lot of stories, uh, of historiography about the Templars, but really, uh, what is interesting is Knight Templars, if you understand, for example, the, the myth behind, uh, because there's the part of the, uh, historical, the historical data, but also the uh, myth and legend. So uh, if, we, if we look at, for example, the case of uh, Wolfram von Hessenbach or other writers, we, we can see that it, it coincided in, in that time, um, the idea of what happened with the spiritual aspect of the Templars with the creation of the legend. Now, there is of, of the Templars, but what happened in that time as well was there was a quoting from the, from the, from the church of the Crusades. But it, it's interesting to observe that the Knights did not, uh, had an imperial uh, view. Uh, of how to develop uh, the European territory uh, by itself. And uh, this is a, well, I know this is a, uh, a bit of a um, controversial issue, but um, that was not a, at some point a, uh, something that, for example, uh, the Pope in Rome at that time, nor a, 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 a level, a, Level in, in France, uh, uh, who was the he was called in we, we call him in Spain, uh, Elvejo, who was a prince, a, a Christian prince in France. They were not uh, uh, allied with that movement, so they 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 destroyed the Templars elite, and as a consequence, uh, Jacques de Molay, who was the the master of the order, had to. Uh, been burning in uh, uh, well in Paris in uh, Notre Dame, uh, and uh, and then it, all the history of the Templars died at that moment. It was thirteen fourteen uh, in our age, On but the thirteenth, right? Yeah, uh, and and it was since then you can't talk about Templars anymore because it's just uh, a memory. The spirit was dead already, so the um, 
so there is a connection between the Templars and the and the and the Freemasons. Uh, uh, understanding the power of the earth, of how it can develop, and how you can facilitate that development. Uh, if you participate in that, they always thought that that participation, because it's interesting, because the concept of participation is the idea of the crafts. When you said you were going to uh, participate in crafts, it, they didn't say. Oh, you're going to participate in craft now in, to, to learn craft. No, you are going to participate. That was the idea. You're going to participate. And it, there was always a woman at the top, like saying, okay, participate. Okay, you want to build a woman? Build it. Build it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So it was uh, old ideas. <laughs> There's a couple of things that I want to like pick up from what you said. One of them was like, build a woman. All I could hear is Metropolis from Fritz Lang and the internet as this uh, artificial spider that we're building that we're gonna, that's going to eat us up or not. And then there's the other idea, which is <coughs> um, <coughs> it is said sometimes that there's a connection between the tradition initiated by the Templars and the Freemasons. And then as it developed through time, perhaps underground, perhaps obviously through a lot of forks along the path, um, that there was an influence by uh, mystical Judaism, as well as with um, alchemy and the Kabbalah. So there's a big cross fertilization in here. Um, I, like to I like this topic precisely because it feeds into something which is also, uh, let's say, alluded to in many, in many, let's say, alternative thinkers, which is the following. That today, the, in the West, and perhaps in the globalized world, the, there are perhaps, people, people suspect that there's a few people that have a monopoly on these crafts, especially crafts that work, and that most people are left outside. Uh, and this was also kind of the, the way that many of these societies used to work. It's all about the silence, keep away. Obviously, when you're working with a chisel, it's between you and yourself and there's no words. Like you said something beautiful, which was literacy kills the soul or the letter strangles the soul, which is nice. Um, what it feels to me is that today in the era of the internet, and, and if we're going to translate all this tradition into what is the operative tradition of the age of digital in the internet, all I can think about is that um, we are now we are now faced with with working with another process, with facilitating the emergence of another process. If if the craftsperson is working with the stone and facilitating the emergence of a statue of a woman, isn't that what we're doing all together in the age of digital? I'm speculating okay. a bit. Oh, yeah, very, very great. It's amazing stuff. Um, I think it's uh, we. The, the idea is to recover the principles. Well, right now, uh, I don't think uh, there is some memory uh, of the legends of the Templars or the Freemasons, especially in architecture and art. But really, it doesn't tell us anything. We can speculate about all that a lot, uh, and a lot of people are speculating a lot about that. But the, it once. Uh, the, the um, principles are captured. The idea is to understand which is um, our relation to the earth. This is the, the key point. Because the earth 
is the source of creativity. We've lost that idea because we think that humans, we are the source of creativity. Now we're just insects in this skin of the earth. <laughs> that is what we are. We're just insects like other insects in a, in a plant, but we don't have the design. We don't have it. We're just facilitating that design like a, like an enzyme. So once we, we realize that, which is kind of a tough realization because it, it destroys not generally our sense of individuality that we, I do this because I want this. No, no, you're just an object. You're just a tool of something that is greater than you. So once this realization uh, is accomplished, then uh, what happens is that um, um, we we aim to find our connection to the earth. Now, which is our connection to the earth today? Technological, purely technological. We, uh, we extract our energy. We extract our ideas, everything mediated through technological um, mediation. Now, it's interesting, uh, Daniel, you say something very interesting here that is... Um, uh, well, you were, you were just pointing out basically the ideas of the prosthetics theory. You know, basically that we can't uh, separate uh, our, uh, our perception from, from our technology. And I think it is a very important uh, realization to understand that we have lost completely the connection with the Earth, with the planet, with the creative potentials of the Earth. And uh, as you said, Owen, Basically, if you, if you look in all the spiritual traditions, basically the alignment of the Kundalini, for example, it's always aligned with the earth. It's the basic idea is that the Kundalini is, is the forces from the earth and it has to be aligned with the earth. You, you can't do it individually. It's, it's a whole. Yeah. So uh, I think that's the, the basics. Uh, we have to connect to the earth to, to, to unravel all the mystery and to unravel all the uh, or the potential creativity. So the thing is, one one important thing here is to uh, clearly uh, differentiate uh, technology from technique. Now, this is this is to way. Um, for example, um, uh, I think I have to. Uh, expand myself a bit here <laughs> to, to express this. Uh, yes, it's, let's say that uh, we, are, um, we, we do something. Now, if we are under conditions of stress, and when I mean under conditions of stress, I mean uh, uncertainty, and those conditions where you have no um, practice or experience by yourself and you are trying to resort to your cultural values as a way of resolving a conflict. Well, then what will happen there is that your cultural values, those things that have been conditioned into, into you, will only create in you a state of anxiety uh, which will block your connection to something that is communicating to you, but that only seems to make you nervous. You know, like it makes you nervous, makes you anxious. Now, if you are able to to learn that, um, uh, the techniques, 
that the world is developing, the, the plan is developing through uh, industrialization, through uh, cybernetics, through uh, developing all you can develop in that realm, you're going to be like the, the hand of the planet, the hand of the planet expressing what that planet wants to communicate to other people. Now, if you, if you simply reject that, if you reject all that, eventually what will happen is that neurosis will happen. Neurosis, and we know that uh, neurosis is basically a disconnection between our cultural values and what is actually happening. So I, I really think that Ernst Junger had a lot of genius, personally, when he claimed that we, the bourgeois, values which were purely intellectualistic the uh, um and not intellectualistic but very squared didn't allow us to have that experience of cows that experience of the elementary but every time you touch the elementary that vulcan <laughs> that vulcan that 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 energy um you know more about yourself you know more about yourself uh, through the communication of the earth so that's the first contact we have to have. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the ham against the, the ham against the, the so that we have to uh, relate to that. So uh, technology mm, doesn't help. Um, um, I, 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 I'd say it doesn't help, but technique does. Technique means to. It's not about the kitchen. It's how it, it's how you cook. <laughs> yeah. So something that came to mind there. You're talking about the bourgeois, right? And this um, this neuroticism and this disconnection from from what I might term as that kind of Dionysian pathic creativity, in a sense. And I would expand on that by just bringing up that there's also the way that the modern culture we live in finds a way to neuter art and creativity by phrasing it as chris gabriel who we spoke to recently puts it's just art right and so something that is beautifully transcendent it, it might produce intense feelings in those who, who participate in it or experience it but it's just art and more than that it's it's, it's viewed as entertainment and perhaps if you're in certain circles as escapism as a way to find something nice that takes you away from the the grind or the the world where you have to be proper and mind your manners but nothing more than this yeah as i said it's it's just art it's neutered and this this chimes with what i think has happened and you guys can probably say more on this but about just kind of design and architecture more broadly in the 20th century which is all either kind of functionalism or really base postmodernism which is like let's just do something weird because we can yes unfortunately that's the case uh, so we must recover the idea of art not as simply as something as you said uh, Owen as entertainment for during your leisure time but as a, something that uh, favors life and this is why I really want to go back to the super fantastic 12th, 13th century. Just not because I'm, I, I idealize that period, but there was some interesting thing there uh, in our tradition, uh, in the, uh, the Western tradition, that 
just were forgotten for, for a lot of centuries. But the idea is that art serves life. It's not about you get a, a economic standards of living, wealth and stuff, and then you say, oh, I want to start painting. I want to start painting. No, <laughs> it wasn't about that. It, it was, it was if, you, if you started to develop uh, the earth and um, because there's something also that I, I need, I, I always want to present in my work, which is that um, uh, um, architecture, as you said, Owen, today is, is just something uh, very decorative, aesthetic. It has uh, turned into those uh, very visual aspects, especially in terms of building and uh, accommodation of private uh, uh, housing and, and, and everything else. But they, uh, we can consider that today our architecture from the most uh, uh, strict perspective is, is the, are the networks, are the infrastructures of transport communication, are uh, 5G, are uh, all these waveforms, satellite communication. That's really architecture today. It, uh, buildings, it's over. Today we are supported. Today you see people in their, in, in their houses, but they're connected to the internet today. They're supported by the internet. They're supported. That's their architecture. It's not the physical building. It's something much greater, planetary. It's something much more greater. Hmm. So, so, so the idea that is architecture. It's a structure of power. It's a structure of power. And it's, uh, and it, this is another topic which would require another complete conversation. It 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 self-organizes. So, uh, in at a planetary scale, I mean, if if we see the snowflakes self-organize and the and the Milky Way self-organize, why won't this system self-organize? <laughs> yeah, we we believe we're we're so powerful as humans that we can determine it. But yeah, we can't determine the 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 growth of the snowflake nor the growth of the Milky Way. So why will this be determined by us? You know, we, we just can, all fo can only follow the light uh, behind. It's the only thing we can do. So the, the issue of, uh, of uh, uh, art, that's one, one, one important thing, that um, it served the economy. Today we think that first you have to have a level of economy and then you have to produce art. You know, that, that. But really, there is a there is a there is a aspect that I, I it's hard to explain in few words, but that is that it is economy. We we have been living for three centuries thanks to three two centuries thanks to fossil fuels, uh, especially in a condition where we have the capacity to impose upon nature whatever we want. But this is a luxury because uh, generally, if you are in a situation in nature where you don't have that availability, that's extreme availability of energy coming from a grid, electric uh, network, whatever, the only way you can survive is understanding nature, not intellectually. You have to relate, you have to capture the vibes of the stones, of the sand, you have to capture it all so that you can then uh, capture how the cycles the cycles that impregnate um, during time, during different cycles, the whole territory, so that you can uh, couple with them, build with them, mm -hmm. and you then create an architecture which is is not arbitrary, which is not something. So, oh, I I I, I want to build it because I like it. 
No, you have to build it because it's what the territory is asking for you. And the, the territory is once is asking for you to help the territory so you can expand its, its, its meaning. So you do it because you want to survive and you do it because you want to extract all, all the energy, all the, um, the, 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 because this is the, this is the crucial thing. The second law of thermodynamics says that the energy dissipates constantly, constantly, the energy in a closed system. So what you have to do is create a counter current to that dissipation. And it's very hard unless you have information. And you have to have information of all the aspects, not no information in your mind, information in your senses. That's how it works. And if you have the information in your senses, then suddenly something will start working in your hand and you'll build something and you say, wow, this is beautiful. But then you say, but I didn't even plan it. <laughs> but you just worked out all the materials of the territory and you say, well, looking back, wow, this is really great. And, and you had no idea, no plans, anything. Yeah. But it allowed you to survive. That's, that's art. That's art. It's a, it's a way of expressing and, and uh, the, um, the idea of, uh, uh, well, the uh, ontological design is like, basically, you've created that. That's you. Can you separate that, that thing from you? No. You created it. You've, you participated in it. And, uh, but it's something greater than you, always. Something much more greater than you. Mm. So when you, this experience just completely dissolves any idea of individuality, it's like saying, oh, it's for, because I want, because me, because, you know. Mm -hmm. That's remarkable. That's, that, that's really making me think. Um, and one of the things that comes to mind is how, do, how does one relate to the exceptional circumstances that we live in today where the previous efforts to harness and cope or, 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 or how do you say, to harness the energy of nature in, in this in this way that is not arbitrary, right? You're going to put a windmill next to the water. That's that's where you put it, period, because you need to eat, you need to mold the grain there, etc. So we were very successful at doing that, or rather we were successful until the point that we discovered another source of energy, this, this oil and gas-based world order that we live in right now. And that has invented sort of a new set of relations. It has invented this autonomous network that lives out there of information, of commerce, of power. And it's putting us in this position that is new historically, that may or may not be like an exception in terms of, you know, just a blip on the radar of the Earth's life cycle. You know, it might be the case that this is exceptional and in 500 years we go back to the dark ages and we never come back to this hyper-technological state. Um, We've lost a lot in the path, in the way, but yes, the challenge of our day, and we are men of our time, has to do something with solving the challenges of digital, challenging, solving the challenges of the internet. And the internet is above this, is above the rivers, it, it, it's above the fields. It comes because we've solved that problem already very much. And so that's kind of the conundrum that I'm pointing towards, like what's the what's the hidden framework with which to relate in there what's what's in other words how can my hand hear the voice when there is no material when the material is virtual yeah 
So I was asking that if there is a way to relate to nature, a proper way that is not arbitrary, one that comes from a relationship that we gain from not only our senses, but also our need for survival, then today as people of our time, how can we uh, relate to the paradigm of the internet? In other words, how can our hands sense the voice of the material today that the material is virtual? Or is that even the right question to be asked? It seems like the internet doesn't want this question to be answered. Uh, someone is watching. Someone is pushing this question down. <laughs> Twitter is censoring us. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Yeah. Do you mind uh, maybe taking it up from, from the question that I asked, if you remember? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, uh, so um, the problem, I think, here is that uh, nature is a word I, I'm, uh, I'm not very, uh, personally, not very happy with because it has been, uh, there's a lot of connotations that separate uh, nature from uh, civilization from many centuries ago. And I think I, I, I prefer to use the term cosmos, uh, which is mm. uh, uh, basically organization of uh, all elements uh, towards a meaning that we might know or not, but uh, that providing an, uh, an, but if we have an experience of all those elements, we can access uh, that meaning. Uh, I don't think people just having picnics around or just going to the beach uh, will have a better understanding of that meaning. I think you must relate directly to technology, uh, to technique, to uh, the industrial processes, to cybernetics, because that's the layer that's going on right now on the earth it's uh, it's the it's a power structure that that wants to be discovered that wants to find a, a, its own language and that uh, need us to de to develop the language because as humans uh, that's what we can do because uh, animals um, unfortunately they can't do that so i think that um wow. Right now, the idea is basically to relate more, first to have a, I think it's important to create a human experience, first of all, with other, uh, to, so that people can share their existential, uh, their, um, their, their trauma as, as sons and daughters of this age, uh, to, to have a therapy in the sense of, knowing how to uh, overcome that trauma because it's already a quiet trauma to have been born in this age uh, with all this uh, conflict and all this thing and then to discover that basically um there are if we understand cyber or the pattern of cybernetics uh, we seem to be it in ourselves in the same way when you're with a chisel and a hammer integrating the language of the stone. Now, we, we, we talk a lot about, um, for example, the information about the internet, about virtuality, but you, you will notice that those who understand computer architecture from, from the fundamentals 
and I mean electronics, and I mean uh, server systems, uh, regulation systems. You'll see that they are they are a little bit mm, um, skeptic about the, the 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 interest of cybernetics because cybernetics is all uh, it's all self-regulated. It's all uh, how can I explain this? Um, it's all about information, and when there is an error, you need more sensors and more systems to address that information, which creates that the, the database is getting bigger, 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 and never stops. <laughs> and and you can go, you can get quite caught in that process. And and the thing is, is that what we want? Is that what we want? That that's the question. I think that uh, what we want is to build up uh, from that. From that, uh, I think we must address. Thanks to the internet, we have great information available. I can contact you. I can contact many other people around the world, and that's great. Uh, uh, but at the same time, mm, I think it's uh, like saying, "Okay, now I've worked this material. Mm, good, I know how it works." But uh, now I need to uh, keep on developing more and more and more other materials, uh, other paradigms. I think right now we should start using the word paradigms instead of uh, material, because uh, paradigms are just not something in our brain, it's something how we operate with. Hmm. Paradigms instead of material. Wow. It's like the, the building block is paradigm. That's ontological design, right? Or rather, like reality bubbles are precisely the material that we play with now. Yes. The, the, the concept of paradigm, it's, it's interesting because it, m many people relate it to just uh, scientific models. Scientific models. But it's, it's much more than that. It's, it's the way you solve a problem. It's the way... Uh, let's say you're in a specific circumstance, you have to solve a problem. And you can have a great uh, uh, formal education at the university in different models, but then you're faced with a specific problem when you have to really uh, integrate uh, the materials, let's put it that way. It can be human materials, it can be the spirit of people, it can be technical problems, it can be many different circumstances. Uh, your paradigms is something you build uh, uh, you don't build by just passing exams in very difficult circumstances you know the military training they they knew a lot about this in in the past that that was what provided uh, uh, you know the, 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 the hero, not hierarchy, but different levels of responsibility. It was the degree to which extent you could res uh, solve a problem here and now, quickly, just quickly, like, like pure, pure reflex. You know? And um, it's, uh, that's paradigm. I consider that paradigm. And for example, you see the best engineers, they don't necessarily have the best education, but they have a powerful set of paradigms in their in their hands in their in their in their in their, in their experience and uh, it's just a completely different way of understanding the way people relate to the environment so um, 
I think right now um, it's not about so much about a, you know, like the traditional way of, you know, relating to nature, just going to the middle, the little of a, uh, to, I don't know, cultivating plants and all that. That's fantastic. It's an aspect of it. But right now there are many other layers uh, upon us right now who have much more power. Yeah, and one of them are the cybernetic ones. The cybernetic uh, architectures are very powerful. In mm. fact, they attract all the capital, the, all the economic uh, capital of the world. <coughs> There's a reason for that. So, Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes, it's this. It's this. Uh, broad autonomous infrastructure that is superposed into the what they call the technosphere that comes on top of on top of the geosphere and the biosphere or some people call it the noosphere because sometimes the cybernetic layers either can be confused with or they can give way to the noosphere the sphere of the mind and the ideas and so sometimes when i speak about ontological design I feel like today is a special age because it enables us to, given the uh, tremendous advancement of, of cybernetic technology, the internet, digital, etc. This allows us to really dive deep into the sphere of mind because the sphere of mind is nothing but the sphere of how ideas propagate, how memes propagate, how humans exert power over others, utilizing speech, utilizing ideas, uh, nudging each other's social norms into position, exerting power. And power is, is, is a very interesting concept and very important, especially today in the age of the newsphere and where the war, fourth generation warfare is actually being fought there. Foucault has, is, I think, one of the best guys at talking about power, not so much in the sense uh, that he is commonly referred to and and common parlance, but precisely because he understood one very key thing about power. That is that it is diffuse and it's not a property of things, but a property of relationship between things. And that's the right yeah. thing. Okay. So that's, that's exactly a, a very crucial point uh, about power. That is that, um, in, okay. Hey, there is, there is something crucial to understand uh, once uh, we understand which is very i know it's challenging in general to understand for example the the second law of thermodynamics uh, i have to say that uh, even in the past i was teaching this uh, subject uh, for some, some months and uh, i know how challenging it is even for for students at universities so it's even uh, probably much more challenging to people in general but um, one thing that must be clear about it is that uh, uh, the second law of thermodynamics the only way uh, it can be uh, the, way, the only way you can harness energy for life in a system so that the, an economy can be possible is through power now that power uh, as uh, experimented by uh, Maxwell in the demon, uh, his demon, you must have exact information of all the processes taking place 
surrounding you so that you can counteract the natural tendency of nature to degrade its energetic levels. Mm. Now, if we consider this, we have to necessarily hypothesize the existence of links between all beings participating in that process. But, but those links have to be in real time. They cannot be statistical. They have to be exact. Because if they're not exact, you can't defeat nature. Nature will just go down and you will not harness the energy for an economy. So anybody who is participating in an economy, there has to be necessarily something, something. People, uh, Sheldrake calls it morphogenetic fields. Other yeah. people East call it Tao, whatever. It doesn't mind. But there has to be something that connects the motions of all beings involved. So, and we participate in this process of catalytic factors of this process. And uh, this already, once you realize this, it's like saying, wow, so I am nothing. <laughs> You know, you say, I am nothing. Of course you're nothing. Okay. You are nothing. You're just participating in something greater than, than yourself. So of course you're nothing. Okay, just get on with it. You know, get over it and just uh, accept it and just doing something. <laughs> Participate, do something, you know. <coughs> so the, <clears throat> the issue is that really uh, this this is, there is a proof. I, I would say it's completely pr provable that there has to be necessarily a connection between all beings to create economies. And even today, in the case of the, the technosphere or, or all these architectures that are being developed, it, it is to harness all the energies of the earth. And if we look right now at the levels of, of energy consumption in the primary sector, they're, they're more than ever. They're more than ever in, the, uh, in history, more than ever. We, we uh, I think, um, some, uh, right now, uh, probably because uh, of the combination of, of uh, fossil fuels, nuclear energy, fracking, and we we have never extracted so many humans uh, from the earth, and, and that's the whole process. Even enzymes. What's the point of enzyme to extract the energy? From from a local from a local um, chemical reaction, so mm -hmm. it's a much greater. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This uh, Owen, uh, this reflects a lot what we discussed with Raven in so far as you know this this biological metaphor that we are enzymes in the earth trying to produce transformations and to produce creations but we are just an enzyme within this larger span of thing that we are participating that reminds me of what raven was talking about when she mentioned that we are part of this lineage that stretches all the way to the or origin of life that even stretches all the way back to you know big bang and whatever else has happened before that because there has been a cause and effect there has been effects of networked systems stumbling down through history and uh, producing those small economies that eventually reach critical points and transform then reach a critical point and transforms and the name of the game is what greg Enriquez talks about when he uh, talks about these emergence uh, moments and that that there's complexity gets to a point where boof there's another thing and then boof there's another thing yes. so that's 
a very good angle with which to look at the current moment in time that we're living in, right? Because we can get lost in and conceive of the future using the words in the terms of the past. However, yes. it's perhaps more useful to trust the process and understand that we are just participating in something very large and that we don't really have that ability to affect the change that we would love to, but that there's actually something, this super organism superimposed upon the earth that's actually producing its effects. Maybe that superorganism is not an organism in the sense that we are used to defining life, but nonetheless, it might have those characteristics of a living autonomous entity. Yes, and uh, one, one thing that is uh, very hopeful, but I don't like the word hope because hope is, is a word that has been ideologically co-opted, like saying, okay, we expect things, you know, because in all ideology, there's uh, kind of linked to the idea of progress that you expect things to happen in the future that are current with that ideology, uh, any whatever ideology, they're all kind of the, in, in, with the same nature. But the thing is, um, it, I, I think that I, I completely agree with Junger, Ernst Junger, in some ideas, although he has a different language than me, but in the sense that uh, uh, the cosmos in general uh, aspires, aspires to make use of everything that is typical. He used the, con the term typical that has been translated in many different ways, but it is something that is uh, individuated. That's another concept that requires another complete conversation, but it's something that has attained perfection in its production and that cannot progress more because it has exhausted all the mm, potentials in its background. This is a concept that is like a snowflake that when it grows to its maximum, it won't grow more. Or a tree, it grows to its maximum, it reaches its maximum, its maximum expression, and it, and it won't grow more. So nature tends to, mm, the cosmos, better said, to uh, aspire to make use of this and of these expressions and take them, carry them to the next level, to the next level. It always happens from the level of microorganisms to the level of civilizations. There's no contradiction about this. There's no exception. So the, 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 the inspiring aspect of understanding this is that we, we must have to tell people like, look, you, are, you have a lot of problems. We all have a lot of problems. But try to uh, make perfection out of your imperfection the best you can. Nothing. What else can you do? But if if you if you're staying if you're spending all your time talking about politicians, talking about uh, uh, all the stuff that they're telling you that is completely unsubstantial, it does not allow you to change your life or to modify your life for better. Um, it, it's a waste of time. It will just go. Like, you know, like grains in the sand, you know. So I think this, we should try to promote this idea of uh, people, you know, really trying to self-overcome themselves, uh, to perfect themselves. Uh, um, what else can we do? And, and then the wind shall, shall carry us wherever we, we need to go, you know. But that, hmm. I think. Well, this is where great, that... Right? Um, Zoroastrian idea of Horovatat becomes very interesting as a kind of alternative to a uh, 
a metaphysics and a worldview based on the view of perfection. So as far as I've been kind of taught, Harvata translates to something like wholeness. And it's an idea that, as far as we can tell, is older than the idea of perfection. And there's no perfection within wholeness. Rather, it's an aspiration to to maximizing potential to the degree that it can be maximized, but without there being this sense that it is pure and that it has <coughs> destroyed, I guess, all impurities, that it has attained something lasting and kind of permanent and frozen in a sense, because a forest can be whole and then you can plant another tree in the forest and it's still whole. It's just a bigger hole, right? Whereas if the forest was perfect, then another tree added to the forest would destroy its perfection or a tree removed from the forest would destroy its perfection. Yes, the perfection. The, the idea is basically, uh, um, yeah, um, one, one of the things I think is very uh, useful is, uh, for example, if you have a, if you have a pain of, or you feel bad or you have some emotional bad days or sometimes even depression, and, you know, it's, we, we tend to consider that all that is something that has to be eliminated, that has to be eliminated through medicine, through all, Anesthesia, so, through all kind of placebo effects stuff, but uh, I um, the 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 idea that we we to cope with pain, to cope with imperfection, to cope with what nature is telling us that is uh, something that we have to correct and understand the root source of that can lead us at least. If we have not gotten the best uh, phylogenetic uh, inheritance to reach the best we can in our lives, and then nature will be, I think, uh, in, well, Darwinists might uh, think uh, whatever they think about this, but they tend to favor that uh, process of, uh, a, of challenging pain. And in fact, it, precisely talking about Junger, Junger was, uh, I would say, one of the greatest uh, experts in pain and how it related precisely to the technosphere, that the conditions in our time are very much related of pain to the technosphere. So what we do is, in general, in our society, we don't want to face pain because it's just too hard to face the, this new environment. So uh, in general, there is this thing of um, um, favoring comfort or creating this anesthesia of pain or, hit, or this kind of a, uh, a, um, obsession for pleasure, which, which okay, it's great, but uh, you're still then captured through in a territory like an animal, like a zoo, <laughs> the technosphere, and you can't even see it. Why? Because you have, as Marshall McLuhan said, you have your, your senses completely numbed right now. You've got them numbed. And well, you know, as long as you're in the zoo, it's okay. But when you get out, you know, it's, you feel too much anxiety and it's, uh, it's hard. So uh, I think these are the basic issues uh, right now, uh, you know, to uh, uh, how to live in the system. This is a thing, how to live in the system and to have a destiny in the system, in this, mm. in this fatality. Because we 
can't, as I said, it's self-organization. We can't change the processes of self-organization, but we can uh, do the best as humans. Uh, we can. Yeah. I mean, what you've been driving at is precisely where I think the material humanist worldview and um, and the current left go wrong is this basically this metaphysics oriented towards the imperfections and the sufferings of the world and this idea that if we can just get rid of those, then that's basically the ethical task. And once we've gotten rid of suffering, which, by the way, is all caused by material insufficiencies, lack of money, lack of resources, lack of food, lack of education, lack of equal treatment, whatever it is, Get, ro get rid of those inequities, if you will, and the human condition will somehow then be perfected and we can live in this like fully automated luxury communism or at least a consumer paradise where all of our basic needs are met. And so, and so we're happy, right? But it's, it's, it's A, it's, it's very naive because it fails to take into account that desire itself is the kind of root of suffering and... <laughs> The fantasy, like an object will will fulfill your desire. You have a kind of feeling of lack. You want something, you want, you're hungry, you eat, and then you feel miserable an hour again afterwards because you get hungry again. You're never going to sat feel satisfied just through getting basic needs, basic sufferings anesthetized, if you will. But then also it loses that orientation towards the transcendent. It loses the, uh, the connection with, with the creative principle of the cosmos with that grand unfolding, which I think, as I kind of said at the start, is a far more potent source to root an ethics in. It's not like let's get rid of suffering, but let's create beautifully and passionately and get rid of suffering along the way because the more we can get rid of at least unnecessary suffering, that the more energy and the more resources we can free up for, for creativity. Yes, that, that's, that's basically, uh, that, I, I would say that's, uh, that's a spell uh, of an ideology that was implanted in our minds, this thing that eventually uh, you will reach to those conditions by following all what society expects from you, what the economic systems expect from you. And then eventually you will reach that super paradise. I think this has a lot to do with people who have been directly or indirectly influenced by the myth of paradise, the biblical myth of paradise, like, oh, you have to suffer. And there's a, all this idea of guilt. So you, yes. you have to suffer all that guilt. Finally, eventually you are redeemed from all that guilt because you've done hard work all along the way. Expected, uh, and, uh, finally in your life to do whatever you want to do, but you just tired to do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so it's it's uh, I think it's it's unfortunately it's a spell. It's a spell. It's a, it's a spell that that persuades most people. But I I have to say another thing. Uh, it, for most for our society today, that that spell is necessary. So the Seven billion people can live in the world, but on the other hand, that pain of those people can can serve other people to realize to say, okay, um, okay, we see what's going on. We we uh, have we, uh, um, we you have, have granted us freedom to start to, um, considering this right now in two thousand twenty. 
after you know, after hundred years of suffering, pain, and all the stuff. And so we have to have compassion for these people and say, well, mm, you know, it's nothing else. Uh, what can we? Because even if you try sometimes to even awaken them, it's it's impossible. It's just it's it's uh, the spell of ideology is is too hard to uh, uh, to take off from people and and generally if you start uh, mm, telling these things uh, it's, it's not a, um, you have to leave people I think in my opinion this is an opinion personal uh, people who are captured in the spell of ideology you just have to there's nothing you can do. You just have to let them go and uh, follow your own path and face the suffering your way, but not trying to anesthetize the pain, but uh, living it and uh, feeling it. Uh, uh, I think our nervous system learns a lot from from it. And uh, um, uh but this is this is all uh, issues that uh, are challenging in a society. That also another spell is that of comfort. That comfort is morally conceived as good. Um, so, uh, you now as, as I said, you know, the, the, mm, at the beginning of the conversation, the great period of meaning of means, the great period of the operative traditions was. In the, in the last one was in the West, it was the, the Gothic period in Europe, and it was the mix of barbarians coming from the North who had really hot-blooded hot guys, you know, who are warriors, who had a deep sense of honor, yeah, who were, their cult was basically strength, uh, the withstanding of pain, and uh, they, they loved war. They really loved war, and the combination of the Goths with the the currents that came from the south, uh, that were basically influenced by Judeo Christianity, and uh, the idea in those in those religions was basically that peace was everything, but without working for peace, that there was um, it was all about uh, uh, yeah, well, this is a long story, but basically it was about believing that there's an outworldly thing. Uh, God or whatever uh, monotheistic religion that will uh, answer your prayers even if you just uh, uh, don't do anything in your life to solve your own conflict. So there was this mm, mm, kind of a uh, Vulcan that happened in, in in Europe at that time, and I think today we need something uh, similar. We need people who are intelligent, but on the other side. Who are hot-blooded? You know, we need that kind of combination to uh, to to mutate the, the the human condition because otherwise it's it's going to be I think quite difficult. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah. Like all the well, don't know about all, but many of the most the kind of civilizations that we view as being the pinnacle civilization, they were warrior civilizations. They had to be. Mm -hmm. I mean. The notion of a civilization that isn't a warrior civilization is a bizarrely modern phenomenon, right? But even then, I guess the modern wars, once we invented automatic weaponry and perhaps even just the, the gun, it changed, like, as you said, honor, which was a big part of these northern barbarian cultures. 
you rely on your brothers next to you and the strength to swing a sword and their ability to actually charge and be ferocious and courageous in battle. Once we're able to kind of outsource killing to these machines or it's just pushing a button or pulling a trigger, then that hot bloodedness goes. There's still a courage in going into the battlefield for sure, but it's a, it's a much more abstracted courage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, today you can see people who just organize these events when they just start, you know, doing all kind of uh, air performances, <laughs> you know, of, uh, but mm, that's not a point. That, that has been a co-opting of the spectacle of the idea because really uh, it's, it's about the challenges of our direct life, our lives, individuality, our individual lives, and, and uh, especially uh, the, the idea that it is very honorable to respect those who charge, uh, who, who choose the most hard path. That is the most important thing. We must, we must oh, every time we see someone who is not looking for the easy solution, uh, that person must have, we must take in account always and say, wow, this is the, this is the, 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 the right stuff. We should look, take in account this person because this person, even if this person doesn't know how to read, eventually this person shall provide us all the insights, all we need, all the stories, all the tales, all the experiences that a community needs. But we need that right stuff if we don't have the right stuff. No matter how many degrees you get at the university, no matter how many PhDs you get, you don't have the blood. And this is what happened uh, during that period in 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 uh, in Europe. It was there was it was you had and uh, and I I don't like to talk much about me, the medieval times because those are Oh, there you are. <laughs> I think we lost the connection because those times were very, uh, uh, those were times very conflictive in Europe and I haven't studied much more than the Gothic period, uh, years ago. But yeah, I would say that the pinnacle of the Gothic period is something that we should, uh, that should inspire us, uh, as, uh, as, uh, basically not going to the cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris and just uh, taking pictures. I mean, uh, not that, but just understanding how it happened, how it, how it, the genesis of that, that's, that's the great thing, the, 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 how it originated. I guess the question is, has that ability to appreciate how it happened and to enjoy and to kind of feel in oneself that the, the grace and majesty of the operative has it ever been anything possible for more than just a tiny minority who can actually get it? And is like the 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 thing of taking a selfie with the Cathedral of Notre Dame what pretty much all peasants of all ages will have done if they happen to have a smartphone? Well, uh Good question. Um, will be, will continue well, to be the future. Uh, yes. Uh, probably the, the uh, we can only make modifications, I think, in our lives. And uh, we can, 
it's very difficult to interview. Uh, for example, uh, let's put it this way. In general, it is believed that politicians uh, have power. Well, that is something that can be discussed uh, enormously. Um, one thing um, I propose, uh, which is very delicate or complicated to explain in few in few minutes, but is that um, power is in the structures. Power is in the structure, those structures. Um, and we have no very few idea of who are those people. I'm not talking about people who are occult. It's just they, they, they don't appear in the media. You know, we're talking about people who are CEOs, uh, people who work in the industry, and and, you know, and they are regulating the system. But we, we have no idea of internal who, who they are. No? So it's very difficult to intervene in, in that kind of power today. But this power, mm, I, I think that if we realize uh, it has some limitations, it has some limitations. And the limitation it has is that it's driven by cybernetic paradigms that never end. What I mean with this is that they don't accept anyone who can be a ruler. They need coders, programmers. They need people who can uh, understand the language of, of the system. And But uh, let's say you want to organize a community uh, or an or a autonomic uh, group of individuals. These systems are completely counteract that uh, uh, because um, you can't uh, even get, I don't know, funds or uh, to to work economically with with those networks. So it's very difficult to get power in that system. I think it's very important to understand that the system has its, its days over. I think it's uh, 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 cybernetics has will reach its peak of how it can harness all the information from the planet to create that negative entropy, which is a term I don't like much because it's not much understood, but the monopoly of, of power based on information so that you can, you can extract every single drop of energy from the planet and create a new architecture, like a new brain upon the earth. And, and we know that uh, when a, a, a child is born, the last part that, uh, well, when, a, when a, a fetus is being developed, the last part that develops is, is the brain. And then it has to just uh, uh, see light. You know? uh, but there is a point where the, where the brain just finishes its development. Uh, and then, the, as, as many neurologists know, the, the, the brain cells don't replicate anymore. They don't, they don't reproduce. So I think that in cybernetics, uh, that's something we have to expect. And we have to be prepared to see the light when it comes. You know, I, I think uh, that's the whole preparation. It might sound a lot of, uh, very abstract, but potential scenarios, uh, considering the limitations of specific architectures uh, to uh, to uh, to to harness power and cybernetics. Anybody who uh, understand the idea of uh, cybernetics know that it's a closed system, uh, which is uh, um, basically 
uh, it requires more and more monopolizing of information. Information it's, it's the only thing it feeds on. We're seeing more and more today. People are starting to be discontent about it. You know, they don't believe anymore with all these fake news and all this kind of stuff. People don't, uh, with all the newspapers uh, transmitting ideological from the politicians who pay them and all this stuff, people are starting to be, become skeptic. So I think that's an interesting current of, of how the limitations of all that and that uh, we should we could uh, consider that um okay you it's like there's this fantastic there's this joke i i saw once uh, of a guy who was a kind of a a rebellious character you see this joke well this this cartoon and then he says oh all these years trying trying to fight against the system and finally i realized that it that it, it fall by itself oh <laughs> you know so there's no point in fighting it you know, it's, Hmm. Um, just to understand it i think fascinating stuff very hegelian as well it's like huh? it feels it feels like a <clears throat> an interesting almost hegelian way to to act with it not necessarily posing an emphasis antithesis but like expecting the flow of things to occur in the way that is proper and natural to them. You know, you know that the leaves will fall in October yeah. and you know that you won't plant yeah. tomatoes in December. The, the metaphor tries, I'm trying to refer to is, is meaning that there's a certain order and a way to do things. And indeed to know how to measure these changes and to know how to attune oneself to them, is is not even an intellectual knowledge but it's a it's a craft it's a craft that is like agriculture mm -hmm. you know and uh fascinating stuff to consider I, ha I hadn't considered it in that way to be honest but this is uh, fascinating stuff miguel yeah well i'm glad it's just it's, it's not so easy to communicate uh but uh i i uh, i think it's uh um the important thing is that it can fascinate and, and get and that we can get deeper in the ideas and develop them more. Uh, uh, some some aspects I understand that are uh, that are abstract. I mean, I can't just you know these books. I can't just uh, summarize them in in, <laughs> in, 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 in few words. But uh, the important thing is to capture the, the, the important idea and the, the idea of freedom, that we still have the capacity to be free uh, and, to, and to live a life with meaning. It doesn't mean that right now nobody, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be uh, have an importance in many of these structures or corporations and stuff. But at least if, if you handle their ideas, you capture their ideas. That's that's the craft. It's like um, I, I recommend people uh, to to have experience in these just work experience, you know, in, in in structures of power if they have just just experience when they just because of the experience, so they can understand what kind of atmosphere exists in those places. And I, I don't mean by this to make a career. You know, if they want to make a career in those places, they're going to suffer more than they, they expect. But just to have an experience of how, which is the atmosphere in these places and find a way of not being attached to that atmosphere. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, that, that was yeah. my... And the idea is just, just to find that, that kind of Buddhist idea of, of non-attachment uh, so that then you uh, understand the, the material with which you're working. You're, you use the company. You, they don't use you. You use them. You use them. You, you contact a CEO. You know the vibes of the guy or the woman. You know the workers and I say, okay, it's enough. I quit. Now I'm going to somewhere else. It's not. And they say, oh, you're crazy. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Just I got, I captured. I, I, I've assimilated the work, you know. And I, and then I take it with me, and you use it somewhere else. And and you're working the material. You're working the material. It's not, not it's no longer granite or marble. It's it's the it's companies. It's corporations. This is the idea, which I. Uh, I, I, I really encourage people to say, well, what, what do you take out of the company? That, those vibes in your hand, that's what you take. You never know what, where that can leave you afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The knowledge of the take structure. It, like, that's the whole itself. Mm-hmm. This yeah. knowledge of the structure of power itself exactly. as it pops its head in multiple places in our dimension and how we are uh, learning to be craftsmen here there and everywhere yeah and it's different sides yeah oh, um do you have any anything else to to ask no no well, i've got so many things to ask <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i i really love this conversation it's uh, it's a great chance for me i mean i, I don't have these chances often <laughs> no often, never <laughs> oh it's been fantastic talking to you mate i feel like I'm kind of at the end of my concentration now, so I'd be quite happy to wrap up soon. Um, okay. But I don't know, with like Daniel, I don't know how you're feeling. Uh, oh, I'm feeling great. Time to, to wrap up. Uh, it's been a long conversation. We've been through so much stuff and so much good stuff. Miguel, you definitely have this uniquely different way of making sense of things. And that's a good thing. When after one of these conversations, you're actually tired, that means that there was some some substance and thinking going on. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for your time. We hope you enjoyed the show. Consider becoming our patron and helping us put out more content like this. Patreon.com forward slash techno social.